This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, Old Not Obsolete, we will showcase movies on retro or vintage formats, including VHS, Laserdisc, and even Betamax. Yes, you heard that correctly. Here at Cinema Degeneration, we love movies in all formats and configurations. Let the pops, scratches, and imperfections in our films bring you back to a nostalgic time. There must be some place in this world where we can live in peace with our people. He is from a future world. <laughs> Trapped in another time, searching for his past. A hunter of incredible power and strength. In his quest for his origin, he and the woman he loves must fight hostile tribes. Battle deadly beasts. And try to survive the violent forces of a newly born Earth. Is the warrior known as Yor. His medallion holds the key to his destiny. His courage makes him master of a world in chaos. His enemy uses the weapons of tomorrow to enslave a primitive planet. But his passion for freedom will set his people free. Yor, the hunter from the future. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of Cinema Degeneration Presents Old Not Obsolete. On this week's show, we are reviewing Your The Hunter from the Future, a 1983 release. I am your host, Cameron Scott, and this my co-host and guest is Rebecca Reinhardt. Say hello to everybody, Rebecca. Hello. Rebecca and I are both uh, Indiana natives and both uh, 1976 Bicentennial babies. That's actually how oh, we... Uh, yeah. We got to meet, uh, we met, was it not on, I almost said MySpace, <laughs> that would have really dated, dated <laughs> us. Uh, but no, that was the, the, the book, the Facebook. Yeah, the Facebook. But yeah, I so, think it was, we met on a, a, a page about Indiana drive-ins. Yes. Wasn't it? And we actually found out we're actually, not only are we bicentennial babies, we were born hours apart. Cause you're yes. June 22nd, right? And I'm June 23rd. That's right. I keep forgetting about that part. Yeah. I just remember that we were born in, yeah. in June, but I forget it was uh, w within a pretty much of a day of each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we both ended up, there's something in the air or something in the Indiana water. We both ended up avid horror fans, which is what brings us here today. Uh, horror, sci-fi, culty type stuff. And you're the hunter from the future. A beautifully bastardized sword and sorcery sci-fi epic of uh, manic proportions uh, the, of, from 1983. Now, I <laughs> when I think of this movie, the first thing that comes to my mind is 1980s cocaine must have been a hell of a drug. Exactly, yes. Especially this- the second half of the movie, it seems like there was a lot more cocaine going on to me. Yes, that's the only thing that can possibly explain uh, some of the s- story choices. The oh my god, everything about it. We, let's let's get into it. We, yeah, we, we into it. you know, the movie opens up. It, it seems to be a pretty general, uh, you know, sword and sorcery. You know, Conan Excalibur kind of epic. Uh, that opening, but that music that comes on, it comes on like a straight up rock opera. Oh, yes. So um, I I just want to set this out here right now. So um, this film was directed by Antonio Margariti, or as he was known here, Antonio Dawson, of course, uh, (laughs) who also directed Killer Fish, which is another great movie. But anyway, he's an Italian guy. And this movie has all of the hallmarks of Italian film that I love. So very first thing is you start out and you get a theme song about the character that is number one like that is like plus one for me um but that's cranking it up to 11 right there at the beginning yes if it's talking if it actually tells you the story of the main character i'm in but uh i couldn't help but think of like flash so they couldn't get queen to do their soundtrack (laughs) they got somebody called oliver onions to do this (laughs) Uh, that name, that name, yes. it's got to be made up. And if it isn't, he, they, they got beat up. It is. It is. It's like a bunch of Italian people. And then it's like, uh, <laughs> AKA Oliver onions, like great name. Uh, but this, <laughs> but this movie from the very get go. Okay. So the Italian, the Italian, uh, film lover in me, when I say Italian films, I don't mean like the good stuff. I mean like the giallo, the ones where it's, you've got, a mostly Italian cast. They're all speaking English when it's recorded, but they all get dubbed over by native English speakers. And they throw like one or two native English speakers in like a couple of the lead roles to kind of make you try to make you think that it's an American movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in this one, even Red Brown, who is our main guy, who is an American, he was dubbed over by somebody else for most of the movie. So bad dubbing theme song. And then, uh, then I, I couldn't help but think this was like, they were like, okay, we're going to like get, we're going to make this movie and we're going to get like Queen to do the soundtrack. We're going to get Sam Jones to be your, we're going to get Raquel Welch, <laughs> you know? And then like by the end of it, they're like, right. uh, this is what we got. <laughs> right. We got Reb Brown and a brunette. Oh, yeah. And then a girl <laughs> that looks, uh, Corrine Clary, who looks, you know, very Raquel Welchish. You know, everybody looks like somebody in this movie. Every right. every every scene in this movie looks like it was an homage to another better quality movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, it came out at that time where everything that was, as you put it, you know, Italian made at that time was a replica or 
a bluntly reboot, not reboot, but a ripoff of yeah. anything that was either Conan the Barbarian, Escape from New York, or Mad Max. It was one right. of those three or a combination of those three. Right. And, the, and this one, it, it, I, I don't know where they drew from. The well was very deep, but they drew um, from yes. everything because they there's 50s era monster movies, sword and sorcery epics, sci-fi rock operas. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I mean, Star Wars. There's, But I noticed one scene in, in the timeline of things, this actually predated Conan the Destroyer. And there's the whole scene with the kind of hall of mirrors where Ooh, Reb, right. Reb, Reb Brown is yours looking for uh, Kala <laughs> and they can't find each other in the room. I'm like, oh, man, they even managed to rip off Conan the Destroyer. And then I thought to myself, I got to look up some trivia on this. I'm like, nope, predated it by oh, a good year. It, it, but you're not mentioning, too, that it's also not just a hall of mirrors. It's also filled with like life size Bobby Brady magic tiki's. <laughs> and as they're looking for each other, they actually, at one point, one of them says, which one is you? <laughs> <laughs> and then they back into each other like yes. three seconds later. <laughs> it's so great. This but, movie really does have everything. It really does. Well, and let's talk about pacing, though. It, it You know, usually a movie like this gets bogged down at some point with trying to explain everything. But they do a good job, really, in the storyline department of explaining it as our characters go along the way. I mean, it opens up. I mean, Yor is just, you know, doing his thing, being horribly dubbed, battling dinosaurs and uh, cavemen. All within the opening 10 minutes, he's already had two big battle scenes where he, like, kills a dinosaur. Here, drink its blood. It'll make you stronger. And then the guy just replies with, I'd rather stay weak. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so what we really have is a series, like the first half is a series of your hanging out by himself, uh, killing a land of the lost creature, thus saving some people who then take him to their village where he is exalted as a hero. And then the village is destroyed because of his presence there. Yet they still don't see that he is the reason that their village is destroyed. <laughs> and he gets to pick a woman right. every time. <laughs> Well, it's a series. Yeah, it is just a series of setup, you know, where he saves a group of people. They offer him a woman as his bounty or whatever. I mean, there's he seems to get offered women left and right, but uh, Kala is very uh, possessive. She's the 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 first woman that gets. Yeah, because I mean, she is. uh, I made a couple of notes here, and I'm like side eye Kala. Yeah, she, she is. She has got some serious jealousy issues there, man. And especially for coming from, and it's mentioned, Pag mentions later, it, coming from a society where most men have multiple wives. So she's just having none of it. He's he's hers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she got her claws into him right at the beginning, and she wasn't going to let go for nothing. She was ready to fight anybody. But like her, like uh, Pat Pog says, you know, like in, in a world like this, when a man can have multiple wives, why can't he have two? And she just gives him that side eye, like, mm-hmm. this well, ain't she, happening. She also, for the, for the first one, of course, she mentions, well, it's uh, Roa, who is of his race. And yeah, I could see her feeling a little more threatened by her, you know, because it's like, oh, she's like his kind. I mean, like, of course, he's going to be drawn to her. But then the third time around, it's like, you know, she just gets all shitty when the, the dude uh, 
asks and like they come into that other village and like uh the girl says the is beach, he your the man beach people right yeah she's like is he your yeah. man yes and it's like well where are your children and his other wives you know and she just like gives her like the evil eye man like no oh bitch, it's a great stay look away. <laughs> yeah her resting bitch face is strong very mm-hmm. much so mm-hmm. but you know another note i had here was there's a good fight scene every 10 minutes in this movie you don't go much more than ten minutes, eight eight to ten minutes without a fight scene, a a good a great creature effects for the times that they were done. They showed a lot more of the you know like you said the land of the lost kind of animatronic uh, dinosaur creatures. They show a lot more of them than we were ever a preview to in movies like this. Yeah. And you no, know, I mean, there was no CGI. I mean, at this point in time, you wouldn't call it CGI, but no, like, nothing, like, added in, nothing that, actually, nothing that looked <laughs> fake, okay? <laughs> like, I guess, uh, when I say that, Non-practical I mean, effects, I guess? Right, I'm saying, yes, I'm saying that everything that they interacted with, all the creatures, all of their sets, they were there, they didn't green screen things, like, it right. was all, it was all very kind of epically done, yeah, it was all done in camera, which is impressive. Yeah. And and actually the uh it most of it I think it was filmed in Turkey and Italy. Um and I would I would venture to say that most of the stuff that's outdoors is the stuff that was filmed in Turkey. And the scenery is gorgeous. I mean, they found some awesome stinking locations and they used them like really well. So that's another plus one for me. I, I liked the the locations in the first half. I mean, obviously, probably everything inside was probably soundstage in Italy. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, Especially the, the last third of the movie, I would the imagine. Wall, the wall of computers that go beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop. Yep. <laughs> yep. And areas of an industrial tech that's just nothing but pipes and more tubes and colorful, you know, electrical gizmos that you don't understand you don't know what any of it means but there's flashing lights there's computers and like you said it's important you know it's important right yeah because you know like towards the ending of this movie sparks are going to start flying this kind of shit is going to catch on fire and and you know everybody's going to have to evacuate because it's all going to blow up that's pretty much like every every every, uh italian movie ends ends (laughs) that way it's like it's never quite uh, uh, explained, you know, what the base is there for, what, you know. It's, no. it's that well, lucid it, way of uh, Italian storytelling. And here it kind of is. And you talk about the pacing and the explanation for everything. And yes. I agree to a certain extent. The second half of this movie fell apart for me. The first half, I was good with them just kind of giving me little breadcrumbs. Like, I already know he's the hunter from the future. So, I mean... I'm well, expecting yeah, it's in the it. title. <laughs> right. They're not going to tell, you know, I, so I'm fine with them, like, you know, kind of like giving me information a little bit at a time. But then when they get to the uh, the sci-fi area or whatever, their explanations are very weak as to why they are there. Uh, there's some kind of what, like there was some kind of virus, how appropriate that, uh, that, Caused radiation or something, blah blah blah. I was tuning it out when the uh, when the overlord was telling us about it. But not only <laughs> do they leave their their island to get away from it, they go back in the past. That's pretty extreme. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the first half of the movie, the story do, doesn't move along at a pretty brisk pace. And I think by the second half, see, I wonder if they really only had like half a script and they were making it up along the way. Or they had two scripts and they were like, well, we can't make both of these movies, so let's just splice them. <laughs> right. And that's actually a note I made here, like, you know, 45 minutes, an hour into the movie, we are obviously in a totally different movie because it just went, it went from Conan the Barbarian meets Land of the Lost to Battlestar Galactica being led by a undertaker, like poor man's undertaker. Yeah, you, Because and, and the then, Overlord, let's face it, he, the Overlord is just Darth Vader without a yes. mask. Yes, exactly. And, like, even, like, some of the droids and stuff, like, their helmets look very Darth Vader. Uh, very, again, and I have this written down in on my third page of notes in all capital letters. Poor man's in a blank. It's exactly it. Everything in this is a <laughs> poor man's something. A poor man's Sam Jones. A poor man's Raquel Welch. The leader, right. the old dude who is the leader, like, I don't know, he's the white leader of the the future people. Like, not the overlord, but the one who is, like, the yeah, elder. Yeah, the, 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 the blind guy. The blind dude. He's a poor man's Lauren Green. I'm like, and, and, you want to go back to Battlestar Galactica? There we go. <laughs> You know, it, 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 I, made a, I made a note here that the uh, androids looked like a Battlestar Galactica Cyclone face fucked a stormtrooper. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I, I don't know why I use that term, but it just seemed it just seemed to, to, to fit. Yeah. And the next note I had was we were introduced was after we were introduced to the androids for the first time when we hit the sci fi portion of it. They zap Red Brown, and he and Red Brown has the silliest, most fake fall after being laser blasted. That's like it's obvious he he broke his fall, he repositioned and broke his fall again. And I was just like, really? You you, you I mean I understand breaking your fall, but to, to stop and break it twice, and that's the take they used. Right. I was gonna say, and they couldn't edit that out. So yep. so we should say, though, I mean, obviously, he was probably cast in this because he is very, uh, very athletic. He was a boxer and a bunch of different things, like obviously a, a muscle man. He's got a couple man. of black belts uh, in yeah. like Shidokan and American Karate and a couple other things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's very talented, obviously, in the stunt uh, area. And all of apparently all of the uh, extras who were fighters... They were all just locals who were also just, they happened to be tough and big and they could fight and do the stunts or whatever. They were so, big I mean, physical specimens, yeah. That's why right, they were hired. Right, which is great when you're doing the caveman kind of part, you know, because they really don't have to act then. But, um, but like, I guess there was, like, a, some injuries and everything. Like, they were beating each other with, like, these, like, these clubs were, like, rubber clubs. I guess, like, one day he got hit in the face and his face swelled all the way up and... I mean, they, it's, it looks like they did I, some I had read crazy about that. shit. Yeah, they did some crazy shit. So I, I thought the, the choreography was good. And I thought, like, uh, I, I thought that the believability that he could do some of the things that he did was good. Maybe not yes, all of them I mean, orchestrated perfectly, like the broken Yeah, ball. it was a little bit, it, it, it's orchestrated a little bit better than most. Most of those, you know, the, some of the Roger Corman uh, sword and sorcery, like Deathstalker and whatnot. You know, he's a much better uh, 
muscle man slash physical specimen than right. like, say say the likes of like um, I don't know like David Carradine who did a lot of those movies back mm-hmm. then. I mean, and he didn't really have a if you if you look back at it, he didn't have to act that much. He had to do some reaction, but he didn't have a ton of dialogue. He was kind of grunty, like me, your kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, me, your, you, Jane. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then, well, one thing we got to mention here, though, he is kind of like a Neo slash chosen one because he's wearing this medallion around oh, his neck. Oh, that beautiful medallion. Yeah, I always wonder, like, where props like that end up because every movie I watch, there's at least one prop. I'm like, Ooh, I wish I had that in my collection. I wonder where it is. I just random yeah. thought. It, you could have searched on eBay. Usually though, what's sad is you usually uh, will question it. Like if you like go to a convention or something and you see these people who were in this movie in the seventies, eighties, whatever. And you ask them like, Hey, what happened to that? They'll be like, I don't know. Nobody knows what happened to it. You know, like somebody probably took it or somebody probably tossed it because it's a piece of shit. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, it was probably burned. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it got lasered. Probably. Yeah, exactly. It did get lasered. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, the medallion, he is, you know, you're the hunter from the future. He's kind of a chosen one. He's part of uh, that secret society of there's the blonde people, I guess it is, which is yes, kind of saying very something Scandinavian, <laughs> very Scandinavian, uh, you know, uh, the very weird village of the damned kind of mode. I had a uh, feeling that I had with them. It was like, everybody was blonde haired and blue eyed. I'm just like, Hmm, yeah. something's not right here. There's something very, uh, when he meets this character, uh, Roa, uh, it, She's supposed to be a chosen one like him. She showed up in an iceberg that's like, you know, still underground in the middle of this wasteland desert that has been giving people their, their, what, as if I remember correctly. Their water. Yeah, from this melting iceberg that's underground of the wasteland, which, you know, science. Yeah, right. And, And everybody else is still in the iceberg. Like, they're right there on the wall. Like, they're just like like arms akimbo like stuck in the ice but she was fine apparently <laughs> yeah they never explained that even she says like i don't know how i survived yeah no neither do we yeah <clears throat> there, there was quite a bit of that too like you're not really understanding like he didn't know much about his his background and everything really seemed to be more of just they didn't know either the script writers <laughs> No, I think they were just winging it. They're just like, you know, if we don't answer it, maybe you know, maybe nobody will ever ask. Yeah. So, but she has the medallion too, and that's how she, he finds her. Is that uh, some some of the people say tell a story about a woman who is on the mountain who comes out and she takes this medallion out and the sun shines on it or whatever and it shines all over the place, blah blah blah. And so that's why he goes to look for her. Uh, those medallions would not shine, I don't believe, but that's okay. No, no, yeah, we have to, if we can spend, suspend disbelief about the many, many things that this movie presents, the fact that the medallion wouldn't shine, I, I think we're, we're okay. Oh, no, I was going to say, so she remembers at one point uh, that, that I, this is, I think, as she's dying, she suddenly gets her memory back, but that she, they come from an island where there's a castle, and that's where they came from. And she 
And despite the fact that Kala totally just like jumped her just for kissing him, uh, she wants him to give <laughs> the medallion to Kala. Like, really? She's a bigger woman than Kala, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like, yeah, because she does not last very long. You kind of think that this is the, the, you know, the main point of the film that he has been building towards to get to this, you know, this yeah. other per- person. And she pretty much dies right off the bat. Yeah, they, I think she's they, got she about five last, minutes. Yeah, maybe, maybe five minutes. And it was her only film. Uh, her name was Ash Ghoul, I think is probably pronounced her name. Only film she ever did. I tried to look up some information on her and didn't really find anything. But she did have a good presence. She had a great look. She kind of reminded me uh, a little bit of, um, oh, I can't remember the actress's name from Game of Thrones that she reminds me of. Yes, yes. She, Khaleesi. Khaleesi, yes. She did have a little bit of... Amelia her. Clark. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But she had that kind of mode going on. And I liked her character. I wish that, that was uh, one thing that knocked a point off. For me, I, I would have liked to have seen her yeah. character. It would have been an interesting dynamic having her fighting with Kala uh, for a little bit longer in the movie, you know, fighting for yours affections. That, cause I, You know, between fighting, you know, ape men, cavemen, androids, uh, uh, supernatural overlords, triceratops, dinosaurs, and everything, you know, you, you, you need sexual tension in there, too, I guess. Well, because, and I think that would have been a nice story arc, too, because you could always make it to where, towards the end, Kala and Roa end up fighting together. You know, they end up coming together. Yes. For, you know, that would have been a nice little arc. They could have made an arc where maybe they had to come together to save you, or, or maybe one of them had to make a decision like, hey, one of us has to live, one of us has to die. It just... It seemed yeah. like enough, you know, they had hmm, room for a sequel. I don't know about uh, which, which <laughs> 37 clearly years at, later. Clearly at the very end, uh, so the space station explodes, and then uh, the voiceover saying something about the primitive tribes, le- uh, you know, uh, went to the mainland, blah, 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 and, and then it says, will he succeed? And I put, no, because there's not a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You could tell I, they I go just with thought the old, that this uh, was going to be your two. Oh yeah, they were they were well the whole they spent a good chunk of the budget on that last shot, that last shot of the base exploding, the spaceship flying through the big fire cloud and and sailing out towards the horizon. It was obvious they spent a lot of money on that shot. And and you know, they should be proud of it. It was a good shot, but it was just like uh you guys are setting yourself up for a series that was just never going to happen. Yeah. Well, but here is here is an interesting thing that uh, that I found out. It was actually the original cut of it was like eight hours. It was a mini series on Italian television. And um, which I'm sorry, I'm good with an hour and a half. I didn't need eight hours or whatever. So yeah, you could see where they maybe just thought there was going to be some more continuation. I have I heard a rumor on one of the groups that I'm in that somebody has unearthed that cut, but I have no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> You know, I have that's this one point I'm going to have to completely disagree with you on. I am totally down to see it. I'm down to see it once. I don't know that it's something I want to see in keeping my collection to peruse through another right. time. Right. But it, there is a part of me that's just like, what other craziness? Because what ended up in the film was crazy. You know, what did they have? Because I, I did a little studying up on that too. And it was like over a 200 minute 
like 200 and some minutes long and it was like 50 minute episodes, you know, these hour long episodes on Italian uh, TV. I would love to just know or at least like get a summary of what that was like. Yeah, and maybe it actually would have a little bit better continuity going from the Flintstones to the Jetsons, you know, like if we had a little <laughs> bit more like time. No, it would have just been, oh, we went from Flintstones to the Munsters to the Jeffersons <laughs> to the Jeffersons to the Yeah. Jetsons. Oh, my God. Yeah. But uh, I think some of the things that shine through in a movie of this caliber, you know what I mean? Let's face it, it's a low budget movie. It's a B film. But in the style that it was made back in the day before green screen were pop, were popular and CGI was the norm, everything was achieved in camera. It was something we've already mentioned. You know, I love the matte paintings, the miniatures, the sets that are built. There was so much just work that went into what was captured on camera. And I don't want to sound like I'm dissing CGI because those, you know, people that do those kind of kind of effects and do that kind of art are amazing in their own way i just kind of miss seeing that there's something about that is missing in the texture of things when you're seeing them done in completely in cgi when you're seeing like for instance a marvel film when it's obvious that the entire set and the setting is all cgi'd and you're, you just have your actors there's something yeah. missing yeah. I, I love like i, I said the matte paintings the miniatures like there's a flooding scene that happens that is obvious oh, yeah. done in, in miniatures in the old 40s and 50s style of doing things. But it looks good. Yeah, it looks really good. I have an eagle's eye for that of knowing, like, okay, here was the real shot. Oh, here was the shot that was a miniature. But I love the work that went into it. I was just like, you know, damn, that was some really good shots. And, let, and let's also, your saves the day at that point by flying in, which they don't really, you know... It, it, explain pre-explain to that when he flies in on that whatever the hell it was yeah i don't know i i couldn't tell you on that one <laughs> i want i want to read the script i want to know this uh, that somewhere somebody <laughs> has a script of this even if it's in italian i'll have someone translate it for me i want to have that part explained to me just 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 once i, I got again know. though that might have been something that like in the longer I cannot believe I'm defending this film this way but in like the longer cut with the miniseries maybe that was something that showed up more than once that made sense then but they were just like okay well, we're not going to spend the time on like explaining this for the you know hour 30 minute cut right right uh, I think uh, we have to talk about one thing the some of the dialogue in this movie oh yes oh my uh, god it's my favorite line, and I don't know why, but I laughed out loud, literally laughed out loud when this line came on. It was, a damn talking box. Okay, box, yes, that's what I was going to say. It's right here on my thing, yes. When you said e yeah. you an eagle eye, before, right before that, they said it was eagle to L1, mission completed. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, oh sneak away. <laughs> you killed my segue. <laughs> oh my god i love that and then and then the dude is like watching him like in like a crystal ball or some shit <laughs> oh god yeah the overlord has a crystal ball i have a note about that crystal ball and you let me know if you agree with this or if you found this interesting do you think the crystal ball that when they created that effect and the overlord overlord is watching them that when he's operating the crystal ball was the sound effects supposed to sound like somebody busting ass 
Because this is what it sounds like. It sounds like somebody letting loose a left cheek sneak. It does. The, uh-huh. the, I, 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 I noticed that. Wow. It, I usually, I, I'm totally like, I have an eagle ear for farts. So I, I would think that I would have <laughs> noticed that. Yeah, watch that part over again. Mm-hmm. At, at, at some point, <laughs> watch that part over again and get back with me. I'll be interested to hear your uh, uh, your input on that. That's one. always the fun thing about doing a podcast when you watch a movie is you always inevitably have to go back and watch it again after the podcast because you come up with questions with your co-host. <laughs> right. They'll, they'll come up with an idea or something that they, they saw or heard and be like, you know what? I've watched this movie 37 times and I never caught that. Yeah, but I will say that it looks very Wizard of Oz, though, despite the uh, the sound effects. It reminded me of the Wicked Witch of the West, or, like looking in her like crystal ball and everything. You know, it did. It it did. But uh, that that idea was kind of lost on me when it, whenever any time he touched the crystal ball and that sound effect popped up, I was just like, because <laughs> it was a weird like a. Like what? What? Then I'm like, nope. Then it happened again, like three, at least three or four times. I'm like, I I can't get past that. You know. uh, But anyway, I want a note I made here and see if uh, you get this reference. Your is a movie that transcends not only time, worlds, and reality, but also hairdos. Ah, yes. Because. The, when the, there's a scene where they show your when he gets to you know the sci-fi portion the Jetsons portion as you called it of the film and they're like oh we've been watching you and he, they kind of basically show him a tape playback and they show him as a little kid I swear to God that the kid is wearing the same wig that Red Brown is wearing yes like, like it, they just trimmed it I don't know that they even trimmed it because it looked like the same wig but a little shaggier like because it probably would be a little bigger on the little kid's head but yeah it was very like it was very like a Will Ferrell movie where yeah they would like show you know like a baby with like somebody's like the main character like the adult character's wig on the baby to tell you know what I mean like I get it yeah yes no I have to say one thing uh, a character that we haven't given enough care uh, enough um, mention here I probably will pronounce his name wrong. Pog or Pag? Yeah. Pog. 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 Yeah. Peg. 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 But you know, yeah, whatever you want to call him, just call, don't call him late for dinner. But uh, he is really very proficient with a bow and arrow. He saves yes. your yours ass several times, including in the very end when he swings across this <laughs> nuclear chasm. And yeah. you want? Yeah, I'll let you take this one. No, He's, I mean, I, I literally i gasped when this happened so yeah there's this huge like chasm like yours on one side that guy's on the other and they have basically like a trapeze and the guy does pag does like a total trapeze trick where it's like he swings over and grabs i can't remember exactly how it happened but they like link up and like swing over like total like circus trick and i was like what right, the right. hell? And yes. of course, there's a cue for another rock opera song when oh, yeah, they get the- more of that opening theme music where it's like, yep. like they're telling you, like, hey, you, you, you impressed yet? You're, you're impressed? Yeah, like, look at this. You're, you're impressed yeah. yet? 
Yeah, and it really was. It was like a, an escalated version of the, I have like an air quotes, queen music. <laughs> right, right. Oh, boy. Man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, we have to also mention the lasers. Now, we have said there's so many practical effects in this that the one time that they chose to do something not practical, it looks like absolute, total poopy. <laughs> oh, and as well as, as, you know, laser effects back in that day, they all look bad. I really yeah. don't know. I mean, even if you look back in retrospect, even the Star Wars and Star Trek type stuff, which is known as being the kings of sci-fi at that time, the you know these are the the movie we're reviewing is the kind of movie that this one is trying to emulate in some way. It's just not good. The laser blast just, eh, it just the ones on this are almost like a kid took a crayon and just like marked on the film itself or something. It's like a, a kid took one of those like highlighter pens that used to smell like grape and lemonade and it's like they were getting high sniffing on them they're like oh they were supposed to be drawing our effects with these yes yeah it was it, it was uh it was it was something let's just put it that way it was something yeah, yeah. you know and, and then when you when you think about that too and you're in this big laser fight scene if you think back to the very beginning of the movie and he's just like climbing around on these beautiful white cliffs in his like whatever his whatever you want to call his caveman skirt blah 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 did you did you really ever expect that within the next hour and a half you were going to be watching a laser fight this movie takes you no. everywhere everywhere <laughs> well, i laugh you know we've already mentioned i mean like Oh yeah, it, it it's a movie that's it's. I made a note here at the end, at the, the end of my uh, well two and a half pages of notes that I had um, was one. It's a good party mu movie. Oh yeah, it would, be, utterly, it would be very fun to watch with people. Yes, it's a great party movie because it's the space is it's utter ridiculous bullshit. It's, you know, that's, it's another ridiculous bullshit movie and I love it for it. I mean, uh, those, the two notes I had was that, and this movie equals cocaine, one hell of a drug bottom line. I think yeah. that's, you know, that that's what fueled the film. That was probably about a third of the budget. I, it was 1983. There's no other, yeah. nothing, but what the, the most amazing fact about this movie, and I can't find anything other than one little tiny blurb about it on IMDb is that it is based off a graphic novel. Yes. It's in the opening credits. I noticed that. It said based on the novel you're and I'm like, oh, there was a book too. <laughs> right. And I can't find anything about it. Like anything out about that at all. Like it's not available anywhere, of course. Right. Hmm. And okay, stuff so we like need that to, never is. We need to find the medallion and we need to find the your graphic novel. All right, I'll make notes of that. I'll get right on it. All right. It'll be the basis of my new my new documentary in the search of your. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. This it, it's it was yeah, it was something. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you said it best. I laughed, I cried, I cheered a little bit. I might have peed my pants at one point. You know, it's it's an exciting film. Yes. Uh, it's a fun film. It's not a great film. You know, but it is definitely a good movie. 
No, it's enjoyable. And in fact, uh, this was done by Rift Tracks, which is like an, kind of an offshoot of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys. Um, and I, I had considered watching that after I watched the, just the normal version. Because normally, when, we, when I would watch it on a DVD or something, I would probably watch the movie and then I go back and watch with commentary. And I don't have that because I was watching this on CED. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll watch Rift Tracks. And I was like, no, I don't want to because I don't want to make, like, I don't want to make any jokes and then have them feel derivative for anybody who watched the Rift Tracks. Like, I almost now want to go back and watch Rift Tracks to see if they came up with the same jokes we did. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't I mind uh, going and watching it when we're finished, but uh, I, I saw that as well. And I'm like, you know, I go, I remember watching that many, many, many years ago, but I don't remember any of it. And I'm like, I don't want to refresh my memory. I don't want to make, like you said, a derivative joke. And I'm like, but um, yeah. it's definitely on my to-do list for the rest of the week. I'm like, watch yeah. your Rift Tracks version. Yes. And so we should, this is kind of a good segue here. We should mention the whole idea behind the show is old, not obsolete, is that we are watching these on dead formats. My dead format of choice was the RCA Select Division. So I do have this on CED which was a, an old format that was only around for maybe five or six years. Um, pretty limited. It was, it was basically kind of like a laser disc if you had to put it into something, but it's a record. Um, and so this, I will say, uh, most of the time when you get these older movies, they, when they scratch, like when the record scratches, you end up with like these kind of like weird lines and, and it kind of, it's a little freaky, especially if you're watching a horror movie, cause it'll just kind of jump back and forth and, and do all this crazy stuff. This copy of your must've never been watched because it was perfect. There were a few skips in it. Nice. It was, it was nice. It was good. So doesn't happen very often whenever you pick up a CED from 1983, but didn't this time. Right, right. Well, we'll get into my uh, format, also dead but not obsolete format. Uh, I watched mine on the old Laser Vision Laser Video Disc release. Uh, it's a was a pretty common uh, Laser Disc at the time. I mean, anybody that knows uh, Laser Discs at all, they're basically just. Uh, giant CDs or, or giant DVDs that look like a CD and, and a record mated. Um, you know, they're supposed to be superior in not just uh, video format, but I mean, as an as audio is concerned, you know, I mean, it was the first time anything was ever offered in any way digital. But my release it was a little beat up. I don't remember how much I paid for this. I bought it years ago. But I uh, I hadn't watched it since I originally bought it. So I pulled it off the shelf to watch it for this show. And the first, you know, side of the disc, first 45 minutes or so played beautifully. No pops, no scratches, no defects. But when it switched over to side two, riddled with laser rot. Uh, I would say moderate to severe. It's probably, <laughs> it's one of those things, anybody that knows even a little bit about uh, collecting laser discs, they're prone to rotting because the most of the time because the glue that holds the layers together is after you know 30 some odd years is starting to deteriorate which will happen to all physical discs like cds and dvds you know they're basically you know plastic and glue they will start to break down over time but this one like i said first uh, half of the disc played very well second half of the disc 
Uh, not so much. It was a little hard to watch, but I st- it didn't detract from my enjoyment. And I'll probably at least try to give it a- another watch before I decide to frame it, because that's what I've been doing with some of my my uh, more oh, nice. collectible laser discs. Getting the uh, you know the the frames you can buy for like albums yeah. fit perfectly for a laser disc. So for a movie room, we're planning them, framing up some of my more collectible ones. Some people might put stuff like Star Wars on the wall. I'm going to put your up there. That's right. Because, you know, your. Thank you, Whose Reb movie Brown. wall can't be made a little bit better by a little Red Brown? That's yeah. right. I actually saw somebody, um, I had posted something about a CED, and somebody said, oh, yeah, I got a bunch of those, you know, but I could never find a player. So they they threw the discs away, and then they, like, drilled little holes in it to hang up the which I, I understand like i mean it's like they're full size like record size plastic with like the original art you know they're really cool to hang on your wall but i'm like you threw away the discs like oh man that's like throwing away history that, right uh, there yeah that always irks me because you know you know in this day and age you might think oh nobody wants that stuff there's somebody that wants that stuff it's old, yeah. it's retro. If it's old, retro, and vintage, somebody's going to want it. There's, it's a niche market, but somebody would appreciate yeah. it. And just throwing it away is just kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you at least want to, like, at least throw them a little bit of side eye. Just throw yeah. them a little bit of that, uh, that Kala side eye action. That's right. Well, speaking of, why don't we get into our uh, final reviews of the film now? Here. At Old Not Obsolete, we review the films two different ways. We review the film on a personal level, and then we review the film on the format that we watched and how how good that format was. I like to usually let the guests go first, so if you want to give us your review, Rebecca, on scale from 1 to 10. Okay, so uh, I will say that most of the positives from this film, for me, came from the first half. I was way more engaged in the first half than the second half. Um, I, I loved the theme music. Like I said, that's just one of those things. Like if I turn on a movie, like Bubba, the redneck werewolf, you know, anything like that, where it's like, it starts a song that just tells you about the person I'm, I'm just like mm-hmm. totally in. So got me Go there. Out. Wolf cop. <laughs> yeah. I love the bad Italian dubbing. I love the poor man, Sam Jones, Raquel Welch. I love the paper mache creatures. Um, the second half did kind of fall apart a little bit for me, but I really, I, I really enjoyed it, and I really liked all of the scenery, and I like what they put into it. Um, and and the second half of it too. I'm not a huge like sci-fi fan, like you know, sci not science fiction in general, but like sci-fi on a spaceship kind of science fiction. And so that might be part of it for me. Mm. Um, aside from the fact that it's just it just made a huge sharp turn. Uh, that was like, I knew he was from the future, but, huh. So I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to rate this about a 7.5 in enjoyability. Okay. Yeah. On, uh, on my level, um, I agree with a lot that you said, uh, the, the music, the kind of rock opera style of it. Uh, I love Reb Brown. He is the king of overacting, but I tend to love him for it. Uh, he's, you know, God, he's been so great in so many different movies. I mean, I first remember seeing him in Robo War, which is another movie that we're going to be reviewing here very soon. But he was also the first person to play Captain America. I think that bears uh, being said. But, you know, he's great in it. 
I love the Overlord character as our poor man's uh, Darth Vader meets The Undertaker. I love a lot of the creatures. I love the map paintings and the miniatures, the sets, the amazing locations, because I think that's probably the strongest point of this movie. The locations are just amazing, and they utilize them well. But I agree, the movie does tend to fall apart a little bit more towards the last half and the last third of the movie, and when it goes all sci-fi epic on us. It's is this a little a little bit jarring? I think they could have made that transition maybe a little bit smoother, but maybe again somewhere in that four to eight hour version that exists out there somewhere, it probably made a lot more sense. On an enjoyability level, like I said, I think it's a, a not a great movie, but a good party movie. Uh, I give it about a six and a half. All right. Now, as far as my format, I already kind of told you that uh, this I was very, very impressed with the quality of this particular disc. But I will say that uh, there is a particular scene. I think it's um, when they're with the beach people and the girl says to take their boat, her father's boat or whatever. And they show Mm -hmm. him. They show him, but the backdrop is like that beautiful, beautiful like beach and like really super crystal clear blue water and like a beautiful blue sky. And I was like, this looks really good. Like, I mean, and it, and when you when you're watching something that was made to be seen on a 25 inch CRT TV and you're watching it on your 50 inch class ultra 4K TV you know, there tends to be a little bit of a disconnect, but I mean, there were times when I was like really impressed by how good it looked. So as far as the, this disc, this format and how, how this movie played out on this format, I think it would have looked fantastic if he bought this in 1983. I think it would have been awesome. Um, but I'm giving it like a nine. Nice. Well, you seem a little bit happier with your format than yeah. I am with mine. Usually I'm I'm very nostalgic about VHS uh, and uh, Laserdisc. Obviously, that's why we have this show. But I was a little bit let down by the format that I watched it on. It wasn't a very good print uh, to begin with. Uh, I don't know that a better print even exists because, to be quite honest, I haven't looked at looked to find it on uh, anything else, uh, not even VHS or let alone DVD or Blu-ray. So better print may not exist anywhere but just in the general defect of my disc having a tremendous amount of laser rod, it just detracted from the enjoyability of it. And it's just kind of sad. I, I, I have a sad little tear going down my cheek every time I encounter one of my discs. And then it's like, oh, et tu, Brute? Et tu? Aww. But, you know, it, it's bound to happen. Uh, but still, you know, I love the format. and uh, But this one just guy was kind of a bit of a letdown. I... I'm going to have to give it about a three and a half. The first half of the disc was pretty nice. The second disc, half of the disc, just not so much. So three and a half for me. Now, you mentioned other formats. When I posted last night that I was watching this on a group called B-Movie Madness, uh, somebody mentioned that they found it on Blu-ray for $5 at Walmart in one of those bins. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I may have to do, do well, some investigating there. Yeah, yeah. That would be pretty awesome. Yes, it would. It would be nice to see it kind of look a little bit more spiffy. Yeah. Well, this has been an enjoyable romp. Uh, I've enjoyed talking about one of these uh, crappy old B-movies like this. Yes. Um, 
Now, where can people find you and what uh, plug any uh, new projects you got going on? I know we're all in quarantine right now, so a lot of things are on hold, but you still have a lot of stuff going on. I do. I can't even mention them all. So I'll just mention the pertinent ones. So this is a rarity that I'm actually doing something that's not horror. So I do have a podcast called In the Mic of Madness. That's my main podcast. And we it is all devoted to horror. Um, you can find us on Apple, Google, YouTube. And within that, we also have a, I, I like to call it a spinoff show called SOBs Who Love SOV. That's very, very much in the spirit of this show. Uh, where we talk about shot on video films. So uh, all of those cool oh, nice. movies that we got from the video store in the 80s that were shot on a VHS. So um, so you can check that out. I have a YouTube channel, Not Quite Final Girl. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm Rebecca Reinhart. It's R-I-N-E-H-A-R-T. Friend me, as long as you're cool. And uh, yeah, and then like the main thing that I'm working on as far as movies, I mean, I'm I'm in quite a few movies this year as, as soon as the world starts back up, but I'm making my own movie. So it's The Embalmers. Find us on Facebook and Indiegogo. And uh, it, it does feature a certain Cameron Scott. Oh, it does? Yes. I don't know. I don't know that guy. No. I, hear, okay. I, I, I don't know him personally, but I hear he's a dick. I, I, I think he's gonna he's gonna kill it as a, as one of the hillbilly hoodoo guys. So uh, all, yeah. All joking as all joking aside, I'm I'm very much looking forward to being in your movie and playing another crazy redneck hillbilly. Yes, it's going to be fun. We are going to get it done. We are planning on shooting in September. Um, so everybody, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. All of that stuff. Go away, you stupid virus. But anyway. That's me. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I don't have a whole lot going on other than these podcasts right now. Uh, you can catch them all here on the Cinema Degeneration label. We got Old Not Obsolete that you've been listening to. We also have Grindhouse Pizzeria where we cover exploitation and Grindhouse. We also have Howling at the Full Moon where we talk about everything uh, Full Moon Pictures, Charlie Band, Empire Pictures, and a couple of others. I also have an indie spotlight corner that i'm about to start i'm going to record an episode of that actually tomorrow top secret film on that one you have been listening to cinema degeneration and this has been old not obsolete